The media are still reeling from the discovery that the two most recent mass killers are not white people, they're Hispanic. But within moments of this revelation of this inconvenient truth, the liberals came up with a suitable explanation. That explanation is that even Hispanics can be white supremacists. We all have to remember that the head of the Proud Boys, his name is Enrique Tarrio. The Proud Boys is a white nationalist group. Look, being Hispanic or being black does not, or being anything, does not make you immune from being racist, from being radicalized, from being a white supremacist, from being evil, from being homicidal. And we are seeing it over and over again. There are people, you know, they, they don't see themselves as what yeah. they are. Yeah. I think it does, doesn't it? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't inoculate you from being racist, though many libs will say that if you're black or even Hispanic that you can't be racist. But then the libs define racism as merely being pro-white people and anti-other people. And so maybe, I guess by that measure, in theory, I guess in theory, a black or Hispanic guy could be a white supremacist. I don't, it doesn't seem very plausible. I don't think it would ever happen. But the liberals are grasping at straws, so they will accept even theoretical, implausible possibilities. And they're raising this theory, I think, not to excuse the killers. Actually, I think this is the libs coming down very hard on these Hispanic killers. Because for the liberals, there is pretty much nothing worse than being white. So this is their way of saying that these Hispanic guys are very bad. This is the language that they use. For, for the libs, white, whiteness, white, white supremacist, white nationalist, whatever, all these terms that involve white, that's just synonymous with bad. They say these, these Hispanic guys, these guys are so bad that they're metaphysically white. Now, unbeknownst to the liberals, there appears to be a darker, more plausible motivation, and one that increasingly pervades our whole culture, and I haven't seen anybody talking about it, so we'll get into it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Speaking of anti-white politics. There's a member of the Denver City Council who says that white-owned businesses, whatever that is, by the way, I'm not sure that you can so easily classify businesses as white-owned, black-owned, Polynesian-owned, but she says white-owned businesses should be taxed extra, and that money should be distributed to black-owned businesses. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, this shooter in Texas, they've identified the shooter and they even seem to have a motive and a kind of a manifesto. We're now weeks and weeks, months after the Nashville shooting involving the transgender identifying gal who all evidence would seem to suggest transgender ideology was a motivating factor for the shooting. We can't get that manifesto. We have it. The FBI just won't release it to us. That, that we're not, we can't see that yet. But in all these other shootings, in all these other attacks, we can see it, especially if the manifestos suggest a right-wing cause. Just really curious how quickly that happens and what a, strange, uh, what, what a strange incongruity there is there between those two cases. But in any case, the shooter is a 33-year-old Hispanic guy. He's a Hispanic neo-Nazi white supremacist or something. That's how it's being reported. We're seeing pictures of 
tattoos that this guy's gotten that are neo-Nazi tattoos. What's kind of strange about them is the tattoos seem pretty new. They look like tattoos that the guy just got. He doesn't have a huge social media footprint. It's really just on pro-Russia, a pro-Russia social media site. And the whole thing is just really weird. And the more you find out about it, the stranger and less plausible the whole thing seems to be. But that's, that's what they're saying, is he's a neo-Nazi, white supremacist, Hispanic guy, right-winger. Now, what did he say in his own words? Beyond all of the really on-the-nose writings about, oh, I love this right-wing figure, and oh, I love this conservative, and I'm a, I'm a far-right person, he said something that people aren't picking up on. He said, quote, the media effing proves it. They will never miss an opportunity to cover the event and cater the coverage exactly for sick Fs like me. Because the heart of the matter is we all know it's just a effing spectacle at this point. And the spectacle and the killer are far more interesting than the boring Fs who were killed. If these manifestos were actually written by this guy, if we can believe what has been reported about him so far and about the shooting so far. To me, this is the most telling thing that was written. He says it's about the spectacle and everyone's going to cover it. And of course, everyone's going to cover it. It's, it's big news. And he says, it's all about the spectacle. It's really interesting. It's more interesting than anybody, including my victims. It's so interesting. This has been true in a lot of different ages. People go out and make a big spectacle of themselves. They want attention or something. But it's especially true in our age. We are, it's, it's, it's not just that this is always the case and, you know, ah, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. No, we're living in an age that is particularly focused on performance and on the ability of ordinary people who don't work in Hollywood, who don't train as performers, who don't have a big stage, ordinary people to make themselves become the big star, the center of all the attention. And they can do that not merely through an act of terror, not merely through some heinous crime, but they can do it and amplify even those other things through social media, which, which makes everybody a star if they want to be for 15 minutes. We are living in an age in which performance and spectacle are the highest things in life. There, there is no higher kind of virtue in the minds of many other people. And, and that's true even among people who would call themselves kind of conservative or kind of religious or a lot of those people even. They don't really believe that there is an underlying meaning to liturgy, to ritual, to even many right-wingers and conservatives will say, well, you know, look, I don't really believe in God, but I go to church because it's an important thing to do. Yeah, I don't really believe in the resurrection, but it's an important metaphor. You know, the cross, actually, it stands for some other kind of symbol. So even if none of this stuff is literally true, I'm just going to choose to pretend that it is. You, you see a movement called Christian atheism, which is, of course, a contradiction in terms. But what it gets to is an idea that we want the trappings of Christianity without the underlying substance and meaning. But you can't have that. We're living in an age when even the conservative, serious, traditional religious people very often 
are just kind of there for the show, just there for the spectacle, just there for the performance. That can't go on because that, that means that your society is hollowed out. It's a husk of its former self. And things start to go awry and things start to get quirky. And in that society, let's say we believe all the news reports about this shooting. I, I could believe them if we're living in an age when there is no deeper meaning, when things don't necessarily make sense, when we're living in an age when you could have a Hispanic white supremacist. Things are getting a little unsettled, which is why you got to check out My Patriot Supply. Right now, go to preparewithknowles.com. I love that URL. I wish I had bought that myself years ago, preparewithknowles.com. It's hard to trust anything or anyone these days. If you've been paying attention to current events at all these past few years, you know that you need to be prepared for anything. There is no better place to start than by having a supply of emergency food on hand right now. My Patriot Supply is knocking $200 off their popular three-month emergency food kit. Go to preparewithknowles.com. Grab this special deal before it ends. Your three-month emergency food kit provides over 2,000 calories each day for optimal strength and energy in stressful situations. Enjoy a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. Do not put off your preparation any longer. Tomorrow may be too late. You just don't know, especially when things are going crazy in the political order. Go to preparewithnoles.com, save $200 on each kit that your family needs. Go to preparewithknowles.com right now. That is preparewithknowles.com. Another attacker, allegedly, uh, uh, an atta- another attacker in Texas who mowed down 18 people. Immediately, the media breathlessly seek to report this as some evil white supremacist, probably anti-immigrant, uh, uh, identitarian, neo-Nazi skinhead. Turns out, no, this is a Hispanic guy too. 34-year-old Hispanic guy. Now, there's no evidence that this guy has swastikas tattooed on him or anything like that, but he is a longtime criminal. This guy's a Brownsville local with an extensive rap sheet, according to law enforcement officials. He's been formally charged and arraigned with eight counts of manslaughter and 10 counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. So the story here is not the pathologies of social media in an age that doesn't believe in anything beyond the the most shallow and superficial kind of a facade of a performance. The story here is what happens when you go soft on crime. Why is a guy with with an extensive rap sheet permitted to operate in society willy-nilly? That seems like a bad idea. And it's happening all over the country. We know it's happening in New York. We know it's happening in San Francisco and Chicago and Washington, D.C. It's even happening in pretty conservative parts of the country. It's even happening in Texas. People with long rap sheets are getting off the hook. And this reminds us that political issues are not just siloed. They're not just compartmentalized. You are very unlikely to live in a society in which economic policy is wise and prudent, foreign policy is cautious and moderate, and Crime policy is just completely insane. Yeah, we just let all the criminals off the hook. That that part, we we really took our eye off the ball there. But on every other matter, on immigration, on the social issues, on all of it, we're, we're really sensible. No, policy works together because we're part of an integrated whole called society, called the political community. And so it is much more likely that everything will go wrong than that 
virtually everything goes right and only one thing goes wrong. This is why when people say, I can't believe how much Joe Biden screwed up. Man, how can one guy screw up this many things? I think, what do you mean you can't believe it? This is what I would expect. If somebody is wrong, if somebody is egregiously wrong in one or two or three areas, then it's not likely that he's going to be right in the others. You know, he's due to be right on some issue. No, what's most likely is he's going to be wrong about everything. If, if a guy doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman, and a guy thinks that it's not only acceptable, but a positive good to pump little kids full of cross-sex hormones and chop off their genitals, odds are that guy's going to be wrong about everything, about immigration, about crime, about the economy, about foreign policy, about everything. Because his premises are just off. It all sort of goes together. When you've got a, when you've got a country that is soft on crime, then you're going to have more crimes throughout society. You're going to have people more on edge. You're going to have a sense of, of law and order breaking down. You're going to have people then begin to cheat in the sphere of economics. You're going to have education collapse because of scandal, because of the, of the lawlessness that one sees around you. You're going to see the civic society collapse. You're going to see patriotism on the way, and you're going to see faith in institutions collapse. You're going to see faith in our elections collapse. You're going to see things accelerate quickly. Now, speaking of the liberal establishment and working together, there's a story that Daily Wire just broke, which is the evidence for an intuition that I said at the beginning of the Bud Light story. You know, the most important story in the news today, that Bud, Bud Light put a transvestite on a can designed initially for frat boys and construction workers. It actually does matter because it tells you a lot about how corporations work. When that story came out, and Transheiser Bush, A.B. InBev, came out and said, oh, we know nothing about this. This was just some marketing lady, and we, the senior leadership didn't know, and, but we're not going to totally apologize for it, but we're going to try to distance ourselves, and, but we, and we definitely didn't know. My first reaction was, I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it. It was convenient that they could put the whole thing on that VP of marketing, Alyssa Heinerscheid, I think her name was, because there were some videos of her that were unflattering, making fun of the Bud Light customer base. I said, there's no way it was just this random VP of marketing. This is a systemic company-wide issue. Bud Light and Transheiser-Busch and AB InBev broadly are pro-trans, and they're just trying to create a little bit of distance and put it on this random lady. But it's not, that's why they won't apologize. If, if Bud Light really were opposed to the Dylan Mulvaney of it all, or opposed to transvestitism and this crazy social position from the left, then they would have come out and apologized, and they would have fired the VP of marketing right away. They would have issued a clarification, said, we don't support Mulvaney, we don't support transgenderism, and they didn't do that. Because so, it has very little to do with that VP of marketing. And now we've got the evidence for it. Here, the evidence is that Anheuser-Busch is not the good old American beer corporation that we're told that it is. Anheuser-Busch is a Belgian corporation. In 2008, the, the Belgian company InBev bought Anheuser-Busch for, for 58 million, no, I'm sorry, 52 million billion dollars. Now, being owned by a Belgian company, the AB InBev family of products is now beholden to the more European, more left-wing, more pro-UN, more pro-world economic forum kinds of corporate policies. And they're, they're expressing that 
in their own words. AB InBev admits it wants to ensure pro-trans diversity, quote, touches upon all functions, including marketing. Now they're going to can this lady, Alyssa Heinerscheid, for doing her job. AB InBev has embraced all sorts of woke initiatives, the ESG movement, environmental social governance policies, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, all the rest of it, along with a full endorsement of transgenderism. AB InBev will foot the bill. It will help to fund the transgender transition surgeries for employees who think that they're the opposite sex. AB InBev has an official corporate policy that exalts, quote, gender identity and expression and and raises it to the same level of significance as race and age. AB InBev not only indoctrinates all of their managers and employees in this nonsense, they also require external suppliers to submit themselves to this kind of pro-trans woke nonsense. And this isn't anything new. The the reason that I I was able to know this before the specific details came out, it's not because I'm Nostradamus and I took out my crystal ball. Maybe that was part of it. But it's because Bud Light has been signaling its pro-LGBT stance for years now. But Bud Light has put out all sorts of rainbow materials in recent years. Then they put a transvestite on the can and people push back and, and Bud Light plays dumb and plays innocent. How did this ever happen? But, but it gets even bigger than that. So the World Federation of Advertisers is a, a huge trade group. It includes people like AB InBev, Adidas, BP, CVS, Goldman Sachs, MasterCard, McDonald's, Merck, Nike, Procter & Gamble, of course, the wokest corporation on earth, Hershey, Disney, Unilever, Walmart, among others. They created a new entity, and the entity is called GARM. GARM is the Global Alliance for Responsible Media. Libs love acronyms and initialisms. And so GARM is a, quote, cross-industry initiative. So this is an agreement among the world's largest corporations and platforms. That's crucial. To demonetize what they consider to be harmful content. What do you think qualifies as harmful content? Just true things. So AB and Bev and the big tech platforms such as YouTube, TikTok, they created new standards to limit the reach of and demonetize content that it contains, quote, hate speech about, you guessed it, gender identity, insensitive treatment of debated social issues and misinformation. When did this policy come out? When, when did this major corporate group start, start clamping down on misinformation? Why, in their words, quote, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. So in the wake of what the, the liberals themselves were calling a great reset of our economy and society, the biggest corporations in the world team up with far-left organizations, the European Commission, the NAACP, and they create these new standards, some of which are explicitly pro-trans. So GARM is so powerful. GARM, GARM controls so much money, not just the advertising budget of Bud Light, but lots of other entities too, that the big tech platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, all of them are writing pages and pages of reports about how they will run their platforms to satisfy the GARM standards. We have screenshots of all of this. I have a long Twitter thread on this if you want to go check it out. And then the little cherry on top of this liberal Sunday is that GARM is now an initiative of the World Economic Forum. So the World Economic Forum, which is the kind of liberal... A James Bond villain group that meets in Davos, Switzerland, up in the Alps, and decides how to rule the world. The World Economic Forum 
gobbles up Garm as a flagship product under, uh, flagship project rather, under the platform for shaping the future of media, entertainment, and sport. You don't need to pull out your tinfoil hat. You don't need to go sussing around the ponds to find the chemicals that turn the frogs gay, even though those chemicals exist and Yale and the federal government discovered them. That's a story for another time. All you need to notice, all you need to take away here is that the largest corporations on earth have come together to embrace far leftism, including the radical trans ideology. They've agreed not only to hold each other to those standards, they've now got so much weight that they're pressuring the social media companies to implement those standards. And it's, it's being centralized even further under banners of international institutions like the World Economic Forum. Bud Light, as I've said from the beginning, can't totally disavow Dylan Mulvaney, can't disavow transgenderism. Bud Light's corporate policies won't let them do that. But Bud Light also can't embrace transgenderism all that openly because then they're going to lose their entire customer base, and then they're not going to have a product to hold to those standards anyway. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place right now. They're hoping that conservatives just forget about it, and they can move on and continue to uphold these standards and not change anything about their corporate policies. They're hoping that conservatives will either have an affection for the free market as some kind of idol to say that we worship corporations and they can do whatever they want. Just, just don't let the government tell me what to do. They're betting on that, and they're betting on us having the attention span of a fruit fly so that we'll move on. I think they're surprised that conservatives continue to boycott Bud Light, that their, their sales continue to decline. We've got to keep that pressure up because it's about a lot more than Bud Light. You've got to crack these multinational corporate, corporate policies so that you get the pressure off of the other companies and you get the pressure off of the social media companies. You've got, you've got to keep pushing to crack the whole thing. If all we did was take down Transizer Bush, the machine would keep on turning. Now, when you want to educate yourself, where do you turn? You got to check out PragerU. Right now, go to PragerU.com slash club five, the number five. Our country might be headed in the wrong direction, but PragerU videos could help save the future of America. PragerU makes educational pro-American content that has been changing people's minds for over a decade. Their impact is pivotal in these times. Did you know that 70, 70% of viewers have changed their minds after watching a PragerU video? Did you also know that 60, 60% of viewers are under the age of 35? Our friends over at PragerU are reaching millions of people with their educational videos, and they have a long way to go. You can help PragerU reach thousands more by joining Club 5 for just $5 or more per month. $5 per month is only 17 cents a day. Go to PragerU.com slash Club 5 now to join. Your gift will ensure that PragerU has the support it needs to be here for the long haul. Join a movement with thousands of fellow patriots in the fight to save America. Also, go check out the book club on PragerU. Really highly recommended show. Help PragerU reach thousands of more people with messages of truth, liberty, and American values. Join Club 5 today. Receive a free PragerU bumper sticker plus an e-book of scripts from PragerU's five-minute videos. That is PragerU.com slash Club 5 today. Now, if you're interested in something that will really fascinate you, you got to check out What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one is focused on Apollo 11, and now season two of What We Saw is in full swing. This time, Bill paints a bleak picture of the growing existential threat to America due to Soviet Russia and Cuba. Episode nine details the rise of modern espionage as both the Soviets and the West race to learn each other's secrets. How many warheads does the other side have? How do they work? 
Where are they located? While they both use different tactics for intelligence gathering, one will lead to the biggest intel haul in all of the Cold War. Bill makes you feel like you were there witnessing history. New episodes of Cold War come out every week, but you have to be a member to see it. Go to dailywire.com slash Cold War to start watching. And you know that more than anyone, I hate to say I told you so, but here we are again. My game, yes or no, has sold out again on the dailywire.com shop. I told you it would happen. To the creme de la creme who managed to get their hands on a copy, I congratulate you. As for the rest of you hoi polloi who didn't shell out your cash fast enough, you missed out, but don't despair. You can still pre-order the game. I can't imagine how many of you are kicking yourselves for not ordering when you had the chance. All I can say is there are many such cases. Go to dailywire.com slash shop. Pre-order yes or no the game. The greatest game on all of the internet today. Speaking of corporations... Something we didn't necessarily expect coming out of Fox News in the wake of the Tucker firing. Tucker gets canned, sends shockwaves throughout media and the political establishment. But he doesn't totally get canned. He's just taken off the air. He's still being paid by Fox News. So he can't speak on camera. He's still under contract. And he could remain under contract until just after the 2024 election, Keep that, keep that pesky conservative quiet just through Joe Biden's reelect, and then we can let him talk again. Since Tucker was fired, there have been leaks of supposedly damning footage of Tucker Carlson being likable. That was the funniest part of the, the leaks, the Tucker leaks, is that they were intended to destroy Tucker's reputation because they would catch him making jokes in the makeup chair where they'd catch him sending texts to colleagues. And the, the idea was, we're going to find out Tucker, he's evil, sexist, racist, supremacist. And then when you read them, you think, oh, this guy, one, this guy's very funny and likable. His staff obviously loves him. He's very normal, humble. It's an unusual fact for people in the media. And then you read his text and you think he's also very thoughtful. He's, he's paying attention to the way that media warp people's minds. And he's, he's got some trepidations about that. And so that completely backfired. Everyone seemed to assume that the leaks were coming from Fox. Who has this footage? This is footage that's going up to a satellite and then it's going over to Fox. So unless Tucker's leaking it, which I, that would be some 17D chess. I don't think that would happen. Then it would have to be Fox, right? Fox is saying no. Fox is insinuating that actually Dominion, the election company that sued Fox over statements made by Tucker and actually statements made more uh, provocatively by other Fox hosts, that Dominion somehow got their hands on this footage and they're the ones leaking it. So Fox sent a letter to Dominion. Letters called on the company to immediately investigate several leaks to the media of redacted material that Dominion obtained in the discovery period of this defamation case. Fox News is asking Dominion to investigate these leaks as, quote, disclosure of these documents would violate the protective order and the agreement of the settlement agreed to roughly three weeks ago. Fox News has given Dominion's legal counsel to look at the uh, inexcusable release of confidential discovery material and report back to Fox by the close of business on May 8th, 2023. What day is it? It's the 9th, all right. We haven't heard anything about it yet. We'll find out. So the question is, is it Dominion that's leaking this? Is it this election company that 
Many people have raised questions about, obviously you're not allowed to say boo about Dominion right now or they'll threaten to sue you for a billion dollars. But if Dominion is the source of the leaks, that would seem to raise a lot of questions about Dominion and their good faith behavior in our democratic republic. Or is this just a feint by Fox News? Is this just Fox recognizing that they're getting a lot of blowback for the Tucker firing, that the ratings crashed once Tucker was was booted off the air, and the audience hasn't forgiven them yet, and the audience is blaming Fox for the leaks. And so is it a feint for Fox to say, hey, some other guy, stop leaking all that stuff from Tucker? I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? I don't, I've appeared on Fox News many, many times. I have no, I've appeared on Tucker's show a number of times, love Tucker. I don't really have any relationship whatsoever to Dominion and don't, don't care for them all that much. But all of that to say, I don't exactly have a horse in this race. But what degree of strategy and deception is going on here? Any degree of deception, whether it's just a simple fact of Fox wants to keep Tucker off the air through 2024 whether it's Fox is trying to ruin Tucker's reputation, whether it's Fox wants to take Tucker off the air through 2024, but Dominion wants to ruin Tucker's reputation, Fox is coming in actually to defend Tucker's reputation. At whatever level of this we're talking about, it does raise a lot of questions about what it is with Tucker Carlson that some or many people want this guy to shut up. What is it? Well, it's because Tucker is different from the other hosts on cable news. Tucker is by far the most conservative of the other hosts with big audiences on cable news. Some shows on the right will not invite certain people who are a little too conservative for them onto the air. Tucker would. Certain voices on the right or the center right, wouldn't raise questions or question now decades old orthodoxies about foreign policy, about economic policy for that matter. All the old GOP talking points, Tucker did. So a lot of people want to get Tucker Carlson. I feel like I'm playing a game of Clue. We're trying to figure out who killed Tucker Carlson tonight and who's trying to kill his reputation. And a lot of people have a motive to do it. A lot of people had opportunity to do it. Even GOP lawmakers, reportedly, are happy that Tucker is gone. Report just came out, and it's always anonymous, of course. But here's what uh, one journalist wrote. Uh, According to one GOP lawmaker, quote, Tucker being gone makes my life easier with many things, including Ukraine. Though I think that somebody will own that space in a couple weeks anyway. A lot of people, I'm glad the heat's off from Tucker. Tucker, man, that guy would hold the conservatives' feet to the fire as much, if not more, more of the time than he would do that to the Democrats. Right. He also, when he had a cable news show, was the most popular cable news host ever, not just in his time slot, not just this year, of all time. What does that tell you? What an indictment is that of the GOP? That the most popular cable news figure on the right, was totally out of step with the GOP politicians. 
What does that tell you? It tells you that the Republican Party and the politicians and the political elites are operating in a different world from the base. There is a major chasm between the base and the people who are supposed to represent them. You don't really see that on the left. Joe Biden, he's the establishment moderate sort of Democrat who's been in the federal government pretty much without break for 50 years. He's he's a moderate guy, good old moderate Scranton Joe. It's those crazy fringe people like AOC and Richard Levine and Sam Brinton and Rashida Tlaib and all the, they're the ones who are backing crazy policies like not just transgenderism, but transing the kids, right? Oh no, Biden's backing that too. Well, it's just the crazy AOCs who are backing the Green New Deal, $90 trillion plans to totally upend our economy. Oh no, actually Biden has endorsed major parts of the Green New Deal and actually passed them into law through the quote unquote Inflation Reduction Act that made inflation worse, that they immediately admitted was actually a climate bill that incorporated a lot of elements of AOC's crazy Green New Deal. On the left, the, the base and the establishment are pretty much in lockstep. Because even if the establishment is, is not as zealous as the base, that establishment just goes along with what the base wants. On the right, that is not the case. On the right, they'll have the right wingers sniping at the most conservative guys very often and celebrating when they're taken off the air. So now what about the presidential race? How does this apply to the electeds that we're looking forward? If Tucker's going to be off the air through 2024, what does 2024 look like? Right now, it appears to be a two-man race on the right between Trump and DeSantis, but looks can be deceiving. As I've said from the beginning, six months ago, eight months ago, people said, Michael, are you going to endorse Ron DeSantis? Michael, are you going to endorse President Trump? Michael, are you going to endorse? And I said, I know this is an unpopular view here in the conservative media landscape. Everyone seems to be working for a campaign at some point already, but I make it a rule generally not to endorse in primaries, not only because I want to let the process play out a little bit, but because I know that the people who, it seems inevitable, this moment, this is it, we figured it out, that could disappear. The candidates who are leading at the beginning, they could be the first candidates out of the race. And they could be good candidates. It's not even that they have to be bad kids, but they could be the first ones out. And that is what some political strategists are concluding now. Paul Begala, who is on CNN, he was the chief strategist for Clinton Gore 92. Paul Begala is very bearish on Governor DeSantis. At the top of my pad, I wrote, handsomer. <laughs> it didn't work. I'm still ugly. DeSantis I, I've been a DeSantis dissenter, as you know, from the beginning, because for that very reason, he's just not likable. He doesn't have the performance skills of a Trump. I don't support Trump, but golly, can he perform? Donald Trump spent more time uh, in the business end of a camera than any uh, politician since Reagan. He knows what to do. He knows how to perform. And DeSantis, he, he dances like a guy who learned how in Arthur Murray's. It's like one, two, three, one, two. He's a klutz and a clod, and he's not at all likable, and he's going nowhere. <laughs> okay, I think Bagala's a little harsh here, okay? Uh, I, I think he's allowing his uh, Democrat identity and desires and sympathies cl- cloud his judgment a little bit. Say he's a klutz and he's, he's going nowhere. In his, uh, no, I think that's a little harsh. But, but the basic dynamic that Begala is observing, I think, is, is right. Donald Trump, whether you love him or hate him, is 
not only a great showman, he's not only great on his feet, he's probably the best showman of our age, right? The guy has been a pop culture major figure, huge celebrity, referred to in 300 plus rap songs for decades, just a, a titan of TV, of real estate, now of politics, for four decades, for more than four decades. Ron DeSantis could be the greatest governor in the history of governorship. It would be very hard for him to beat that, especially because Trump had a, a running start. Now, there are a lot of people who say, but DeSantis, he's better on policy, and they're going to duke that out on policy. They're going to say, DeSantis, he's more disciplined as a politician. Maybe that's true. Trump, he's, not, he's kind of like a compromise candidate. Uh, I, it's funny to think of Donald Trump as being a compromise candidate, but in a way he might be. Is that so unusual? Oh, Trump, he's too unlikable. A lot of people don't like Trump that much. The nominee, in my experience, is usually a compromise candidate that large numbers of people don't like. Many bright young things, many best candidate in the race, best future of the race, have failed. I'm not saying that DeSantis will fail, but there were a lot of people going into this 2024 race who thought, look, Trump, he's toast. Governor DeSantis, he's the leader of the GOP. He can do no wrong. There won't be any other candidates. The other candidates are going nowhere. And all I'm saying, Ron DeSantis could very plausibly be the GOP nominee, and he could plausibly beat Joe Biden. But the story is just so much more complicated than that right now. And you could, we could, six months from now, you could say about it, you could say, oh, I never saw that candidate popping up. Oh, I thought that this, this other candidate was going to be the really strong one, and then he was the first one out. You could see a lot. It's very, very early, and a lot of people are going to be talking about it, but not Tucker because <laughs> his employers want to keep him silent through 2024. Now, do you want a better way to simplify your business finances? You got to check out Ramp. Right now, go to ramp.com slash Knowles. If you want to simplify your business finances, Ramp could be a complete game changer for your business. Ramp is a corporate card and expense management software designed to help you save time and money. With Ramp, you can issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. The time that you will save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 3.5% within the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started in less than 15 minutes. And whether you have five employees or 5,000, right now you can get $250 off when you go to join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash Knowles. That is R-A-M-P dot com slash Knowles, Canada U-L-E-S. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. My favorite comment yesterday is from Mr. Battle, who has a message for Bud Light. Message is a Greek proverb, he says, if you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. I believe that quote is from Erasmus, though he may have said it was a Greek or Latin proverb. It's a good one. If you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. You got to pick a side. Maybe I'm going to start using that. I, I usually prefer to say, if you stand in the middle of the road, you'll be hit by a truck. But I like that. 
If you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. Okay, I've got to give a hat tip here to Libs of TikTok, one of the great journalists of our time. Libs of TikTok uncovered a Denver City Council lady who is leaning into the theme, this whole theme of the week, which is that white people are the cause of every problem, whiteness is evil, even when Hispanic people commit heinous crimes, it's got to be because of whiteness. When any group, whenever they do anything wrong, even if they're the least white people, uh, they're extraordinarily not white, it's still white people's fault. And so this lady, a candy stabaka or something like that, uh, she suggests that the way to make our economy and politics more equitable is to impose a white tax on white businesses. Capitalism was built on stolen land, stolen labor, and stolen resources. And a check today could not um, undo the cumulative impact of generations of that stolen wealth in all of those categories. And so I think it has to come in the form of land, labor, and resources in an ongoing fashion. Instead of a bid collecting extra taxation from the black and brown businesses that are struggling, you could be collecting those extra taxes from white-led businesses all over the city and redistributing them to black and brown-owned businesses who are not part of it or who are simply just black or brown-owned. And that's one way to give back um, in the business fashion. The first practical problem here is what is a white-led business and what is a black or brown-owned business? Presumably, if you knew you were going to be hit with a major tax, you would just hire exactly enough black people to qualify as a black-led or black-owned business, or you would reconstitute your corporate documents to diminish your whiteness such that you could avoid the tax. So practically, I don't know how to do that. And I don't even know how to do that at the individual level. Virtually every black person in America who descends from slaves has white heritage. Virtually every black person in America whose ancestors have been in America for a long time has some white people somewhere in that lineage. Are they responsible for the whiteness of their fathers and forefathers? What's the percentage? If you're 60, 60 plus percent black, then do you count it's black? But if it's 57% black, it's not, doesn't, what, it, what is it? How many, how many drops of blood do, of one race or another race do, do you need to qualify for this benefit? Very di- practically, that would be difficult. And then at the level of principle, it's just so preposterous, of course. Do we, do we go in, do we tax certain Native American tribes on certain reservations because those tribes took land from other tribes in a way that may have been morally or ethically suspect? Do we go in, do we do, we do this in any other way? No. We only allow ourselves to even discuss these kinds of ideas because the culture hates white people. 
Now, how does the culture hate white people? It's kind of the same way that the libs are, are alleging that a Hispanic guy is a white supremacist. And the, it's the reason that I don't totally mock that idea, because in, in theory, I guess it could be. Uh, in, in my experience, though, there aren't a lot of Hispanic white supremacists, but there are a lot of white people who hate white people. White liberals, generally speaking, just hate white people. The, the, white people are the only group that the law can discriminate against and the culture encourages you to insult. Also, it's a majority white country. How is that possible? How do we make sense of that? The way we make sense of that is that white people, it's the only group of people, racial group, that hates itself. It's the only group. There is not a, an epidemic of anti-blackness trainings in Nigeria, okay? There is not, or among black people in the U.S., there is not a sense of Vietnamese guilt among Vietnamese immigrants or people in Vietnam. It's only white people that hate themselves for being white. It's really weird. I guess self-hating Jews, too, as a, a kind of a, a more narrow demographic group of people. There is the, the stereotype of the self-hating Jew. But in terms of racial groups, it's just white people just hate themselves. And it's very weird because there was a poll from Pew that came out some years ago, which measured racial consciousness. And it said that 15% of white people think that being white is somewhat or very important to their sense of identity. 15, one five. For every other racial group, black, Hispanic, Asian, the number was north of 50%. For black people, it was north of 70%. So the white people, they're the ones who think about race the least, and yet they hate themselves. And that's weird. It's not good. I think white people have, have made this a perversion of the Christian virtue of humility. But humility and humiliation are not the same thing. Humi cer certainly humility and self-hatred are not the same thing. You have to love yourself. When, when Christ says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, well, if you hate yourself, you're going to hate your neighbor, and society is not going to look very good. You have to have a proper love for yourself. That is an aspect of the natural law. That's how we... That's how, that's how we get along <laughs> in society, and we don't just all kill ourselves, okay? It's a big problem, and no one wants to address it, and you're not going to fix that problem by taxing people for the color of their skin. Now, there is such an important story that I want to get to. This is, I was so looking forward to getting to this story today, but we're running out of time, so I'll just tease it. How about that? I'll just tease it. The uh, former top top cybersecurity spy in Britain says that AI fakes, deep fakes, that kind of stuff, and lies will destroy society. Have it here. We'll get to it tomorrow. Because today is teaser, is, is trailer Tuesday. Talkie trailer Tuesday is what today is. As Mr. Davies has a movie trailer he wants me to see. And we get to chat. And the member segment, member of Segmentum for the Creme de la Creme Inner Circle members. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.